0: Hello, this is Pixelated Playgrounds, a gaming book club podcast discussing the art and craft of video games. I'm Brian Skersha. I'm Josh Galecki. And today we're talking about Dorf Romantic and Islanders, a quick hit compilation book club that we're calling Simple Cities.
1: Yeah, we got a little twofer episode going on here. I always like these ones. We get to do a little compare and contrast between the two games.
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, I actually played um, Islanders, uh, the first game we'll talk about, uh, a while back. I played it, um, I think, uh, mid last year, early last year, and, uh, I was just looking for something chill to calm me down during, uh, you know, COVID, breaking out, pandemic situation, and, uh, I really enjoyed the, the calming vibe. Earlier this year, uh, we had Dorfermantic come out, which was, in my opinion, another sort of little city building gem that, uh, I enjoyed as well.
1: And I do believe that Dorf Romantic is in early access right now. So this is a time shot, or a snapshot, circa May, May 2021, right now, of what the current state of Dorf is.
0: Hmm, interesting. I actually didn't clock that, but yeah, good to note. And um, uh, yeah, both of these games uh, were, I think, a nice balm. You know, they're they're not as intense as like a city building simulation, but they're... Uh, enough to keep you interested, and they're both very pretty, so I was glad Josh decided to join me in uh, my Simple Cities, uh, you know, game playing, and now here we are. We're going to talk to you about these two cool games.
1: Ah, that's right.
0: So maybe with that, why don't we uh, good dive in and talk about our uh, first game that's on the docket, Islanders. Um, I would say this is sort of like a minimalist, low-poly city-building game about... Uh, building towns on colorful islands.
1: Minimalist, I think, is the key word here. Uh, There isn't anything where you've got to, like, take care of crime or supply electricity (laughs) or build roads. You just place buildings, and that's the only mechanic in the game, really. Almost the only mechanic.
0: Yeah, almost. And I, it, it was interesting. I originally proposed this as a uh, roguelite uh, for one of our roguelite roundups, which I think would have given us an entirely different take. <laughs> uh, maybe bef- before we d- dive into the mechanics of this game, let's talk a little bit about who made it. It's actually developed by a three-man German studio called Grizzly Games, composed of uh, Friedman Almenroder, Jonas Tyroller, and Paul Schneff. Uh, as you could tell, this is a German studio, so um, <laughs> yes, a uh, uh, three-man studio out of Germany, and um, they've put together a really cool little project here, and I, uh, I, I quite enjoyed it. And uh, to me, it was um, sort of a calm, uh, a calming aspect of a game that I would play in the uh, in the evenings, like trying to wind down after work.
1: I think, yeah, both of these games could be described as kind of wind-down games. Um, Mechanically, they are not super complicated where you have to fret about what your decisions are going to be. They're very much kind of pick-up-and-play sort of games, Um, the kind you don't need to spend 10 hours with in order to kind of get the systems. Uh, They're shallow, but in a way that is good and works with them.
0: I would say they're, yeah, you're, you're right that they're shallow in the fact that they're quick to, to pick up, but they also do have nuances that will reward long-term play.
1: Oh, there's certainly strategy in, in these games for sure, but continue.
0: Yeah, th- this game and actually both of the games we're going to talk about are, at at their core, score chasers, right? You are playing a game as, as long as you can continue to build your score, as long as you can continue to not reach a fail state, and, um, Let's just say I'm not even remotely in the, the higher ranks of these <laughs> these <laughs> uh, online scoreboards. Mm-hmm. So there's um, strategic aspects of these games that are deep and that uh, we are probably going to be approaching here as tourists. Uh, so don't expect to get the tips that are going to get you at the top of the scoreboard from this podcast. Expect some thoughtful criticism and uh, maybe why you should look into these cool cool little games.
1: I think when I said shallow earlier, that was probably a bit of a harsh word for that, or the incorrect word for that. Uh, What I meant was, you know, these are not games where you have to think super deeply about your strategic choices. Maybe if you're chasing the world's best Islanders uh, player (laughs) title, then you have to think very deeply about probabilities of certain building types coming up and whatnot. But I don't think that's what these games are about, they aren't trying to put you down that path. Uh, they're, it's trying to be a relaxing experience, and it does very well at that because of the minimal mechanics.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, you you can come to these games for that, but uh, maybe it's not what we came to it for. And, um, you know, we, we got what we came to it for, which was uh, chill vibes. and Chill um, vibes. <laughs> chill vibes ahoy.
1: So what do you do in this game? Uh, What you have is you come to this island, uh, empty island, there'll be some terrain, mountains, trees, flowers, things like that. And then you start selecting categories of buildings you would like. And this is kind of like a... um, A hand that gets dealt out to you, like you pick the forestry pack, and you get a couple of uh, sawmills, you get a couple of woodcutters. Uh, Or you pick the mining pack, or you pick the uh, city building pack, and you start to get some houses and parks and things like that.
0: The interesting thing about these categories and the various things you get within them is that um, as you place them, you start to realize that uh, they synergize with each other. So as Josh Josh mentioned, if you get the farming pack and you have a windmill and the farms, the windmill will boost the capacity of the farms and vice versa. However, they also have desynergies inbuilt as well. So if you have two windmills too close to each other, they will detract points from each other.
1: Mm -hmm. And this placing the buildings at the proper distance from each other and kind of learning what those proper distances are um, is, I think, what, what kind of the heart of the game is
0: yeah and they do a really good job with this on the ui they have um you know this game is uh low poly 3d uh fully rotatable and visible from all sides so you get sort of a a spherical indicator on the map of uh, what the field of influence of any given building you have is and some of them are quite small like for example like a a house uh, or a mansion will pretty much only affect its direct neighbors or those close to it. But something like a windmill, as I mentioned, will affect farms in, you know, maybe a, a decent amount of space. So you, it allows you to sort of uh, rudimentarily plan districts as it is, you know, if you're looking to um, turn this into more of a simmy uh, type experience.
1: Uh, a little bit. It, I found it was hard to get districts beyond the broad strokes of having like a residential area and an industrial area uh, when I was trying to maximize my score because you need to keep your score up in order to get the next buildings to place.
0: Yep, that's that's absolutely true. So when we're talking about progression in Islanders, we're talking about the ability to um, basically meet a score threshold, which will um, allow you to progress to the next island. And scoring in Islanders is done by continuing to place buildings and synergizing them with each other, giving you a boost in points, right? So a farm placed near a windmill will grant you, say, 14 points compared to, like, the base 5 or or whatever. Uh, I don't have exact numbers handy to me right now, but uh, the idea is that these um, placements of buildings are dictating the amount of points you're scoring with each building placed.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And finding the synergies between the buildings is important. Now, when you pick a category, like farming buildings or forestry buildings, then you're going to get some buildings in there that synergize with each other very easily. Um, However, I think part of the uh, fun part about the game is finding out the different categories that synergize with each other as well, things that you don't get together, but then trying to plan out where that should go. And that's made a lot more difficult because of the procedurally generated terrain that you're dealing with.
0: Yeah, that's right. So it's not just a, a flat plane that you're given here. You are given a brilliantly procedurally generated low-poly island, uh, complete with mountains and uh, little outcroppings and a beach, maybe um, or a plateau, or a high mountain um, you know locale. There's all kinds of different interesting islands that you're getting to build on and work around, and it really lends a great deal of character to every single settlement that you end up creating in this game. And on top of that, it also provides the, the real challenge of this game, which is um, navigating that terrain and uh, f- making sure that you can place your synergistic buildings within range of each other um, while still navigating that terrain
1: because your layout's going to have to be different every time you go through it uh, you might have enough room on a plateau for getting all of your industrial buildings in place at the beginning but then later on uh, you come across a similar island but just slightly different and it changes around your placement strategy
0: And that's why I think I was initially thinking about this for a roguelike roundup, right? Like there's enough (laughs) randomized elements here and adapting to new situations every time you play that it almost felt to me like a city building roguelike. Um, And maybe I'm getting overly broad with my application of roguelike here. This is basically just, you could also call it an arcade city simulation or something along those lines, but... um, the proc gen aspect and the um, requirement to react to what the game deals you every time you boot it up, uh, to me was interesting and reminiscent of some of the roguelikes that I've played. Especially given that the the uh, <laughs> the prevalence of card. Uh, deck building roguelikes recently and the fact that (laughs) this game is dealing you building cards as you Mm -hmm. go to place them (laughs) yeah it's kind
1: of a funny thing um you don't like construct a deck though and say i'm gonna have 10 houses this game uh you if you reach the high score that you're looking for then you get the next uh you get to choose between a couple of different things
0: It is worthwhile, however, to build up a stockpile of um, houses and buildings in your quote-unquote hand in this game, because the game will continue to dole out additional categories of cards, basically packs of cards, maybe five, ten cards, every time you reach a score threshold on a given island. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to play all of those before it deals you the next one. So you can start to sort of get a stockpile of buildings, and as Josh said, while it's difficult to anticipate what might come down the line, sometimes you'll uncover unknown synergies between packs of um, of buildings or categories of, of buildings that you get that you might have maybe not anticipated, and that's where some of the strategic aspects of the game start to come into play.
1: Mm-hmm. It was always a good idea to save a couple of houses in your hand in case your new... Uh your new uh, hand of buildings did not quite take you to the next scoring level on its own.
0: That's right. Cities are kind of a reliable um, stockpile or a reliable way to score because you're able to place them. You know, they're very geometric. You can place them in close proximity. And as long as you have sort of a town center nearby, you're guaranteed to get some good double digit scores as long as you're placing them in a wise way.
1: One of the things the scoring system in this game reminded me of was Tetris. Hmm. You were trying to slot the specific buildings in a specific way and have them line up with each other in a way that maximizes the amount of space you can have for future buildings. Uh, And this relates to something in computer science called the bin packing problem, uh, Hmm. where you are trying to fit a bunch of objects of weird shapes into the most compact space possible. Uh, Now, this is actually a class of problems called NP-complete problems, the most famous example of which might be the traveling salesman problem. Uh, But they're basically problems that are super hard to solve, but super easy to verify once you have a solution or see if it works or not. These problems make excellent game design kind of things because... It's always a problem for a human to say, hey, I got to pack in this many houses and mansions on top of this plateau, even more so when you don't always know what kind of buildings you'll be getting when. Uh, but it's a good, uh, good idea if you're making a game to, if you can incorporate one of these NP-complete problems, um, it can provide a lot of fun for the player as they try to navigate that challenge
0: yeah that, that's very interesting how you can sort of back solve for interesting game variations through the application of mathematics um i i wouldn't have necessarily thought of that for this game in particular since for me it's such an aesthetic tour de force
1: oh the aesthetics for this are amazing i love the art on this game
0: yeah, no, but I'm glad you brought that up because it's very clear that there is something powerful underlying the the reasoning behind these mechanics and why they work so well. But maybe we should pivot and talk a little bit about why this game is so appealing to play, regardless of whether you understand the underlying 600-level math courses involved.
1: <laughs> you know, just a little theory of computation here and there. I like to uh, name drop now and then.
0: <laughs> hey, why not? If you got it, flaunt it. Um... But, um, uh, yeah, the, uh, to me, this game was much more about, um, making a pretty island with a really sort of unified aesthetic and then you know admiring it and moving on to my next one you know I was not really front and center on the score chasing aspect of this game I would place the islands in in order to or place my my categorical buildings in order to sort of make what I understood to be oh this is my cool fishing settlement building that also happens to brew beer uh, because there's hop fields in the highlands (laughs) and you know it was just a, a joyful thing to create these little islands and then be you know be able to say all right you know i I reach my score threshold i'm done i'm going to move on to the next bigger island okay you know to me it was it's very meditative and relaxing
1: so i have a quick question for you were you making choices in this game that were suboptimal in terms of scoring for the aesthetic reasons
0: I'll tell you what. Um, I wouldn't even know if they were suboptimal from a scoring perspective because I never paid that close of attention to scoring <laughs> aspects. <laughs> um, so yes, I guess is the answer. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. I mean, I would always take cities because I knew that I could. You know, one, there's always going to be a city on an island, so thematically for me that made sense. But two, um, the I I often felt like I would try and work with the terrain more than I would work towards what i knew would score well right like if i have um some solid plains uh, off a beach then i or you know and not a lot of beach space i would choose the the farming options or the hops options in you know, the brewery path so to speak but if i didn't see a lot of that i would choose options like the uh the stone cutting mining and you know um sand processing, I guess, or or fishing paths, because I knew I wasn't going to be able to deal with the terrain effectively. So I was sort of making um, decisions around what I thought I would be able to build around. But I don't think I ever equated that to like what I knew would generate numbers. Because mm-hmm. as far as I could tell, the categories are fairly well balanced, except for cities, which, as I said, is the sort of the trump card of of point getting.
1: Well I feel like again, thematically having a huge city on your island is fun. Um yep. however, one of the things I One of my strikes against this game, if you could even go so far as to call it a strike, is that I felt like the best way to build a city was to pack them in there, like little slum lords. You're creating all these houses and mansions without room to breathe or even like a park in between them or anything like that. Just get them as close as possible. And, you know, it kind of worked aesthetically for the game. It didn't look bad when you had it like that, but it was also kind of like a I wish there was a way to create more aesthetically pleasing cities while following that score-chasing mandate.
0: That's a good point, and I think maybe they could have benefited from, like, low-density housing uh, being a card option or a placement option instead Mm -hmm. of just the, the, you know, small house, mansion... Uh, regime that they currently have basically make the footprint of the house include the land around it instead of just the house which would have allowed you to you know have a variation in terms of what the space between or the land surrounding a house looks like
1: or maybe throwing roads in there or something else that you get bonuses for being nearby uh but this was really like just houses back to back to back to back
0: yeah, that was definitely the optimal way to place a city. You know, if you have a town center, um, it is within your best interest to place it near all of the other houses in the town center so that it would gain the maximum synergies uh, for point scoring so that you could continue to build your island. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, it is to this game's credit that that always looked really nice. You know, there oh, there yeah. was never, never a city that I ended with in this game that I was successful on that I was like, man, I really made some ugly-ass city here. And it was always <laughs> a place that I was like, yeah, I'd visit that place, sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the um,
1: I mean... I wasn't pleased with the, call it the aesthetic layout of the city, but on the whole, this game's art style was fantastic. Even my little slums looked like a fantastic (laughs) place to visit. The Um, best slums you've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, for sure. But I think there were, what, three different major island types with their own kind of geometries and angles and um, different kinds of polygon mountains and hills. And it was just a pleasure to visit these different things and build a different city on each of them.
0: Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it as well. And they did an awesome thing with color palettes, too, where um, it's not always just green and blue, um, they would start to vary the types of color palettes they used for the ground. And, um, you know, the light reflecting off the water, although you never actually sort of see the sun. It's not as hi-fi as that, right? It's just sort of a, a vibe, like, right, this is an evening island, it's got more purples and Uh, oranges Mm -hmm. Uh, this is a morning island it's got sort of a light blue and you know dark green aesthetic sort of going on
1: yeah the color palette on this game was clutch
0: Mm -hmm. yeah they did a really excellent job sort of i I don't know proc genning a vibe uh so proc gen vibes is is maybe uh, my alternate three-word review Speaking of three-word reviews, maybe we can offer up a quick three-word review on this game before we move on to Dorf Romantic. My three-word review is Chill Island Time. Uh, Between the blissful ambient music and the soft, gorgeous color palettes, I continue to boot this game up, actually, when I want to zone out and enjoy some pretty scenery. Score chasing isn't really what I'm here for, as I've said, but the chill island time is all I'm looking for. So for me, islanders will always just be chill island time.
1: All right, and for me, this game was a thumbs up. My three-word review is Pretty Itty Bitty City. (laughs) Which, that second one's hyphenated, so it counts.
0: Sure, okay.
1: (laughs) But uh, yeah, this was just um, a very well-done city builder. Uh, It wasn't about understanding the system so much as it was hanging out on a good-looking island and having some fun just throwing buildings out here and there and seeing what works and what doesn't. The game sessions are short. I don't think I spent more than 20 minutes building a city, and I got pretty far. Like I had the balloons and the... uh, monuments and all those late game buildings. So I feel like I did good and I explored this game good, but short ge- uh, short sessions, short game, very pretty, uh, very enjoyable, definitely worthwhile picking this one up.
0: Yeah, totally agree with you there, Josh. It's just definitely worth mentioning that um, the game sessions are short and able to be stopped and resumed at, at will. Um, this is a game that's very accommodating to the player. Mm-hmm. Uh, So with that, let's move on to our second hit on this Simple Cities compilation, Dorf Romantic. Uh, Dorf Romantic is, similarly as I've said, a... uh, city-building sort of strategy puzzle game where you create an ever-growing village by placing tiles. So while the the last one was placing buildings on a pre-generated landscape, this one you are actually generating the landscape by placing hex tiles to connect um, uh, areas to their surrounding uh, countryside and, and other aspects of the environment.
1: Now these hex tiles will have several different things on them they might have uh, cities or village houses they might have uh, forests some woodlands they might have fields or they might just have a blank side Uh, there's also what um, rivers and trains uh, train tracks that you gotta hook up as well Um, but apart from the rivers and apart from the trains nothing has to line up like you can have a, a hex tile that has a house on one side and you can connect it up with a field on the next side, you don't get as many points that way. And I think a lot of this game is about figuring out how to get those points and maximize that score. Um, but you don't have to do that apart from that uh, river and train track tiles.
0: That's right, and if you're thinking placing hex tiles and uh, building an environment out of them and you think Carcassonne, um, you are <laughs> correct um, because uh, that is the first thing I thought of when I saw this game, and it's fitting because this is yet another German studio. Uh, so what we're um, working with here is a game by Tucana Interactive, which is four game design students from Berlin, Germany, consisting of Luca Langberg, Sandro Huberger, Timo Falk, and Zwei Zausch, my favorite name of the bunch, by the
1: This game actually came out of a Ludum Dare entry. This one was Ludum Dare 46, whose theme was Keep It Alive. And they implement <laughs> that in this uh, particular game by, if you complete quests, uh, which would be like you create a town that has 30 houses in it or something like that. Uh, if you complete a quest, or you surround a tile perfectly on each side, uh, so it matches up with all six hexagons that neighbor it, uh, then you get more tiles and you can keep building your countryside up.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's sort of the the main way for you to continue to play. And we, you know, as with Islanders, if you reached a score threshold with this game, it is closing those quests and getting points or completing perfect um, uh, six sides. You know, perfect placement, so to speak. And um, it's really. It's tough to do those two things. Uh, the, the quests are less so. They're very front and center. You know, they show up as a badge on your UI. But the perfect placement is, uh, to me, sort of like if you're starting to take the 200 level version of this game, you are looking to um, make sure that all of your placements are such that you'll be able to line up a perfect placement eventually and get a tile as a result.
1: This is one of the games where I played the first few games and I did great, and then I... You know, I figured out how the scoring system works and how to get more tiles. And my, like, batting average dropped significantly <laughs> because I was. then I was, like, trying to line that up and did much worse for it.
0: Yeah, it's one of those games that definitely can cause some overthinking, and sometimes that can be not helpful. Um, I honestly, t- when I play this game even, you know, now, and, I, you know, I'm not, like, an expert on this game. I've only played a few hours of it, but... Um, I focus primarily on those quests and making sure that I'm not screwing those up, because to me, those seem like uh, if you close out quests quickly and you have the the resources to do so in terms of like you get a tree quest, you have your tree bank, you can place it in and quickly close it out. Um, you're going to rack up the tiles quickly and be able to continue to advance and, and build a larger country as a result. Um So, you know, this is my very uh, early on advice is, you know, focus on those and maybe the perfects will come later once you understand the ins and outs a bit better. I never quite got the hang of ensuring that I got perfects uh, on a regular basis myself.
1: Oh, you know, I've probably played seven or eight hours of this game. And even now, like getting those perfects is, um, it's a
0: challenge. Yeah, I think they could probably do a little better... Um, in terms of signaling to you when you're lining up something that will continue to qualify you for perfect versus won't. Mm. Um, you know, like I, it, it sometimes was a mystery to me why I didn't qualify for a perfect on a given placement. Um, and given I haven't played a ton of this game, so maybe that'll come with time as well. But um, that to me was maybe one shortcoming. i no, still, I can kind I would... of
1: agree with that. When you um, are hovering next to a tile, you don't necessarily see what edges from this tile and what edges from another tile and it's hard to see which like where this house is lying and oh is this lined up on this side or was it a mistake on this side i agree with that
0: yeah yeah i think they if they like at some point like even just after you know ex post facto like once you placed it showed like the red portion where it was imperfect or something like that that would help me immensely so that I understood what I did wrong (laughs) 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 Um, because this game doesn't have an undo button which I think um, you know having read just a little bit about this game is a a debate that goes back and forth should this have an undo button Uh, I honestly I don't think it needs one like the stakes aren't super high here and um, if you're not if you're if you're a high score chaser you probably wouldn't want that undo button anyway Um, but if you aren't it's okay You'll just start another game.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now I got you. You know, one of the big differences between this game and Islanders for me was Islanders, I was definitely score chasing, maximizing. I was uh, making my city not the prettiest thing it could be just so I could get the best score. But in this game, I was much more about getting the aesthetics. I really wanted to just make a gigantic beautiful looking countryside because the this game looks fantastic both of these games do and um, really I really only wanted to get uh, complete those quests so I could have more tiles and make the countryside bigger to me the score was like not a motivating factor in this game like um, especially when you have like you have an, a missing hex tile in the middle of your map and you finally get the piece that can complete it and it just feels so
0: good it is like a definite dopamine hit, and I totally agree with you. Like this this game was very satisfying aesthetically as well, like you said. And I do I did sort of pride myself on having like, all right, here's how my, my railroad's gonna work. It'll it'll run through this town and you know, sometimes that got a little wonky because it definitely behooves you to drive your rivers and railroads
1: Off into nowhere.
0: <laughs> yeah, have them being broad tendrils out into the distance while your sort of mainland is sort of expanding slowly to catch up with them but um i don't know i mean it, it works like if you're living in a small european town maybe it does feel like those train tracks just go on forever and your your little mm-hmm. town is all you understand so on on that note like obviously this is a german game but to me this distinctly felt like a netherlands uh vibe to me right like um having spent a little time um in the Netherlands, uh, you're just sort of traveling around and riding in um, Amsterdam and its outskirts. I, I definitely felt like the rivers, maybe if there were more dikes and more dams and stuff like that, maybe it would be more, more windmills more <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, there were windmills in this game, and they were pretty prominently featured. So to me, this felt like a very Netherlandsy y um, builder, more so than Germany, just from my perspective. Maybe I'm wrong about that.
1: They did have a number of different biomes that you would go through. And I thought this was a cool little artistic touch to add some variety to things. Uh, These biomes wouldn't be like, oh, you're on the ice level in Super Mario now, but uh, rather a different um, color palette that would be applied to the tiles you laid down. I think the three biomes I remember was kind of like the standard game one. There was one that I know the developers modeled after Tuscany, and then another one that was after Northern Europe.
0: Oh, interesting. I know there was one that was the fjord. Oh, yeah, him. the fjords. So, yeah, so that was sort of more more rocky. And um, I didn't ever, like, see a fjord itself. But, you know, I understood what they were going for. Maybe more of a Nordic vibe. Hard scrabble. Yeah, exactly.
1: You know, to something you said earlier, though. I think if they integrated the rivers and railroads more like they gave you buku points for connecting a one town to another by river or railroad then I felt that would have been more um fitting or more appropriate like those are cool features and they have little boats and trains that travel up and down the rivers and canals and all that but if if you're if the best strategy is just to send him off to nowhere so it doesn't mess up the rest of your tile placement then that's a missed opportunity in my book
0: yeah it i I definitely agree with you on that but to to take to play devil's advocate it also would be an enormously complicating factor to what's otherwise a game with pretty simple rules that still demands a high degree of mastery to to score mm-hmm. <laughs> so i I hear you and I agree that like maybe making some more you know diegetic uh, bonuses to what you're doing and placing would be um, satisfying it also would complicate an already pretty complex game from what we've described Um, so I'm not like gonna go too hard on them for not making it even more complex given as you said this is an early access game and by the way it's for students
1: (laughs) why don't you do better (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah no i think the the accomplishment here is huge uh, given those uh factors that are uh, true about its development and development team and you know all in all a very satisfying game to play once again a a game that you know i booted up as we were as i was waiting for you to log on to to come record just because i was like well i gotta kill some time this is actually the perfect game to do that (laughs) um you know that that game for me used to be uh slay the spire um, and it, it, was for a long time Slay the Spire.
1: Oh, did you keep playing that after the cast?
0: Yeah, I, I kept playing for a while after the cast, I'd say, and I, I still, I haven't booted it up recently, but I could see myself booting it up, uh, tomorrow. You know, I, I still would love to play more. There's games, like, I could probably give you a list of games that, like, I could always play this, you know, <laughs> 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 and, and, you know, that, that is on the list, Slay the Spire's on the list. I think, um... Of these two games, I think Dorf Romantic is more likely to stay on the. Yeah, I could boot this up and play this anytime, but um, Islanders to me is maybe more the like I need to chill out game. Like maybe I just need an evening where I zone out, have several beers, maybe one too many, and play some Islanders. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sounds like a good evening to me. So this, um, this game definitely has gotten some accolades and some recognition. I do believe it's been nominated for an IGF award this year. So these German students are not doing too shabby.
0: Yeah, congrats to them. That's fantastic. Um, IGF is a huge feather in the cap, and um, IGF, you know, every time those awards come out, I like to go down the list, see which ones I played, and then uh, immediately wish list or buy the ones I haven't, because uh, there's always good stuff there. Um, so, and with that, why don't we do a quick three-word review for Dorf Romantic.
1: Well, as it turns out, Brian already stole my three-word review for this game, because my three-word review was single-player Carcassones. I love the Carcassons of the game, um, but when if if you told me you could remove the multiplayer competitive aspect of it and you'd still have a interesting and challenging game i would have guessed you couldn't really do that dwarf romantic has shown me otherwise uh kind of done a single player solitaire spin on the classic european board game Carcassonne, and big thumbs up for that
0: well, this is going to be one of the shortest three-word review sections ever because uh, my three-word review is Carcassonne as Solitaire. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, you know, like you said, Josh, this game obviously has very striking resemblances to the, the German board game and one that both of us love. Um, next time we get together, maybe we should play some Carcassonne. Oh, yeah. But, um, you know, thinking about this, it makes me wonder. Um, they managed to take a very multiplayer competitive game game and turn it into a single player game but it makes me wonder if you took dorf Dorf romantic and made it co-op or competitive what it might look like and (laughs) now i'm thinking why don't we have that yet and hey tukana interactive let's check that out maybe a future update can provide some co-op or competitive options for or romantic. Uh and with that we want to thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, then feel free to share it with folks you think might enjoy it as well. If you want to get in touch, drop us a note at pixelatedplaygrounds at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at PixelPlaypod. And for us here at Pixelated Playgrounds, I'm Brian Skersha.
1: I'm Josh Kalecki.
0: Take care and keep on building.
1: Well, you mentioned, um, you wanted to do a multiplayer, uh, Dorf Romantic. I got the inside scoop that the next Ludum Dare, Ludum Dare 49, the theme is going to be Dorf Romantic. So maybe me and you could put our heads (laughs) together and, uh, throw something out.
0: Perfect. Yeah. Hey, one thing we didn't talk about, about these two games is both of them have super chill soundtracks that are just so great to like bliss out to while you're building your beautiful little island settlement or, uh, Germanic countryside.
1: That's definitely something I noticed in these games too. Yes, let's talk about them. What were (laughs) your
0: You know, it honestly Josh, for you it might as well have been like fucking Escape from the City from Sonic Adventure 2, playing over this game.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What a great song. Best song in the Sonic franchise, maybe.
0: Yeah, best song in the Dorf Romantic soundtrack. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, the soundtracks were chill. I think Islanders. I thought there was one of these that had a single song soundtrack. Was that Islanders?
0: Might have been both of them, to be honest. I, I it was one of those things where it was more of a vibe than like me like, you know, recognizing a tune and being like, yeah. But they, they definitely both had, um, very fitting, almost ambient. Music playing in the background, Um, you know, a far cry from Escape from the City.
1: Well, it it works with the game. Like this isn't these aren't supposed to be games that like get you jumping out of your seats and uh, (laughs) running around like Sonic does. These games were about sitting back and chilling out. And um, I think that if I didn't notice the music and it was a single track playing the entire time, that speaks to the quality of the track. It sets the mood and gets out of the way.
0: Absolutely. I um, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, vibe achieved. Good job on the composers that worked on the soundtracks for these two games. And now I have an excuse to drop in Escape from the City. Uh, to <laughs> one of our podcasts, so... <laughs> good job good job me oh man
1: (laughs) i mean we might have to do sonic adventure battle 2 just so we can throw that song in and don't forget about all the fantastic knuckles rap there are several they're hilarious
0: oh no
1: All right, so we called this a Simple Cities Cache, uh, but I feel like we should... I want to take some pains here to um, to emphasize that simple does not mean easy or does, uh, simple is a very hard thing to do. And these games definitely achieved the very difficult challenge of creating a simple and a fun experience. Um, nothing that I felt was lacking. Uh, these weren't things where I felt like They would have been super improved if they had twice the number of mechanics they do right now.
0: Yeah, I I definitely agree with you there. And I think that um, low skill floor does not necessitate uh, low skill ceiling. These are both games with very high skill ceilings. Uh, You could listen to this cast and maybe not take that away from our discussion. But as I mentioned at some point, Um, We are both tourists for both of these games, right? We're not chasing the highest scores. We're not appearing at the top of the Steam leaderboards. So uh, don't expect us to have the discussion about the deep mechanical aspects of both of these games, which exist and exist in spades. If you want this to be like the game you boot up night after night after night, um and you are, you know, destined to be at the top of that leaderboard, you can make this that game. This could be your League of Legends. <laughs> but, uh, you know, maybe maybe that's not what we took from it. And that's, you know, that's okay. People come to different games for different things.
1: Talking about thing, terms of simplicity from terms of the player experience, uh, which was, I, I, I guess I mean, it's more like it's hard to design a simple experience. It's hard to cut off, cut cut out the cruft um, separate the wheat from the chaff and just present the pure experience you're looking for, game design wise, and these g- games succeeded admirably, and kind of taking a city builder genre a uh, genre that's not known for being super easy to pick up and play um, and making very good, simpler versions of them
0: Yeah, it's the Smash, the Smash brothers of the city <laughs> genre you know? Smashification. Uh- Yeah, the smashification of it. Um, Say that five times fast. Smashification. Maybe Um, that's
1: our next uh, twofer episode. The smashification episode.
0: All right. If you could find two more games that smashify a genre, (laughs) I'd be. But that to be said, don't take that as derogatory. The smashification of a genre is a good thing. Making something more accessible to people while still retaining what Uh, makes it deeply engaging to its biggest fans, is allowing more people to experience what makes a certain type of game magical while not taking away any of those things that at that same time keep it magical for its biggest fans.